welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for episode number 48. A little bit different tonight, meant to be an evergreen episode this week, but we're recording one live for you because we've got uh, quite a few things to talk about. So I am your host, my name is Shorty, and I am joined by just a couple of beans. On the line we have Chewy, how's it going Chewy? I'm well, how are you? Pretty good, and we also have Cracker, how's it going mate? Very well, thank you buddy. Good to hear. So... Initially, we sort of thought, well, we spoke about it last week on last week's episode that uh, there was a banning potentially incoming, and then uh, we received that banning this week. We thought, yeah, let's just do our you know initial reaction to the banning or whatever, and, and we'll do a nice short cast this week. I don't think we're going to have a short cast this week, do we? I don't think we've <laughs> ever had think? a short cast, have we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we kind of, uh, we've spawned that into not just the talk about uh, yeah, the obvious banning that have ha- that's happened in standard, but uh, we're going to actually talk about bannings as a whole and sort of where where we think wizards are at and what they can do, hopefully, to sort of get off this track. But before we get into that, Cracker, do you want to tell us who our illustrious sponsors are? Absolutely. It is Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. So they are a Facebook auction site. They run auctions daily for paper magic cards and usually big lots. So there's there's always lots and lots of exciting cards from like Commander Staples to like pretty basics to, you know, foil mythics and all the, the whole gambit um, with special auctions run over the weekend. So check them out. You can find them. Just Google Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. Facebook group and they're unreal. They sponsor us and, you know, let us do the fun things that we've been up to this year. Absolutely. All right. So, yeah, as we said and and as we mentioned on the last cast, Wizards put out an announcement last week that there was going to be an update to Standard and we didn't exactly know what that meant, but everyone kind of assumed that that meant we were going to be getting a banning. So, Chewy, what what did we actually see? Uh, We saw the banning of Omnath, Uro... Uh, the banning of Lotus Cobra, Cultivate, <laughs> Ugin. No, no, no. Embercleave. And, then, and <clears throat> no, then you sorry. woke up and what really <laughs> yeah. got banned? Uh, so we saw um, Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, get uh, get canned out of the standard format. So um, kind of w- what was predicted uh, to be sort of the minimum you know, we, as we spoke about on our previous cast, that was the the card we were expecting to uh, to you know bite the dust. But it, um, you know, we're hoping that you know some of the other problematic cards would also you know come under some heavy scrutiny. Scrutiny uh, turned out that didn't quite happen, and just old mate Uro seems to have uh, caught the uh, the ire of the <laughs> band and re- <laughs> the, the, the band. Uh, been a restricted team, and uh, yeah, no more, um, no more Uros. Mm. So I think, yeah, like you said, I think this was the the obvious choice, and and I guess the minimum Uros, a card that people have been saying it should be banned basically since it got printed or since since it got previewed. It's it is a very very powerful card that uh, is seeing play across multiple multiple formats now, and it gets yeah, played not- in modern. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's legacy. pioneer, historic, yeah, legacy, modern. Yeah, it's it's all over the place. So, very, very powerful card, and uh, that's going to be seeing play for a long time in a lot of formats, which yeah is, is not surprising at all. And it did seem to be too good for standard, uh, and yeah, eff- effectively everyone's just been sort of waiting for it to happen, and and finally it it has. So I guess the first question I ask Cracker is. Is that enough? Is is banning Euro enough to fix? We we had a good discussion last week about where standard is at and, and the, the big deck at the moment, which is the Omnath based decks. Is banning Euro enough to sort of take those decks down a peg and, and let other decks come up or is it not <laughs> not it, enough? It, it absolutely killed um Salt Eye Control. <laughs> yes, yes. But because that, that was a very highly played and problematic deck in the format. Well that was a deck that came about to try to beat the four colour Omnath deck. So <laughs> yeah. they just took yeah. down one of its highest highest most successful competitors. So yeah. Look, well done. It it, it has <laughs> slowed the deck down. And and like you can't deny that. Like Uro is an insanely powerful card. And um, it really did have a lot of effect on the deck. And I was talking to um, like some of the guys in um, our Discord about it, and they were saying that pre-ban, they were saying, look, everyone everyone thought the level zero was that Uro would go, right? It seemed like the most obvious choice, the lowest hanging fruit, because people have been complaining about it since January when it got printed. 
and it wasn't one of the new cards like Cobra or Omnath, right? Which are the other two super egregious cards that are in this four color deck. But they were saying that it actually has had a greater impact on the deck than they expected. So it has done something. It has given, in in quotes, in theory, aggressive decks a bit more of a chance because they don't gain life on turn three. They have to wait till turn. Well, no, they still gain life on turn three, don't they? Uh, they with, play with Omnath. With, with Omnath. <laughs> but but they, they, don't consistent, they don't do it as consistently. And look, they don't have a cheap 6-6 six, six to come back. So, yeah. look, yes, it has done something. Has it done enough? Uh, that's a different question. Yeah, I, I think so. I think like, Uro formed a really important function in, in that deck and, and decks of that ilk where uh, it was a really important link in the chain uh, of, of ramp. It's, it let you uh, have an alternate win condition, uh, which is something that is definitely uh, a powerful effect, especially when it's such a good alternate win condition and had such little cost because the front half of Uro just supported plan A. And then, you know, plan B was just a 6-6 that drew cards and gained life and put, you know, ramped you further. So it did everything that your deck wanted. The, the issue, as we spoke about in the previous cast, was the, the, um, the four color on that deck was just so good at just ignoring aggressive decks because of the life gain and because of the cheap 6-6 six, six and, and things. So removing that has created more space in the metagame for beatdown decks to, to get under those uh those decks so you don't have to be as you know low down so those more mid-range you know your warrior type decks and stuff are you know probably a bit better now but i i still think the four color on deck is is the best deck in the format still <laughs> like that hasn't yeah. changed it depends which one you talk about but yeah yeah i i played i streamed on tuesday night this week and had not played a single game with omnath i, I didn't even play omnath at all at the early access event uh, this week I spent a bit of time jamming Mono Red and uh, was winning my matches that were not my non-Omnath matches, but could basically never beat an Omnath deck. So this Tuesday uh, streamed, played a few Beans League matches and jumped into the Omnath deck completely blind, played a, uh, you know, probably slightly suboptimal. I was playing a, a deck that was focused on milling with, uh, with four Ruin Crabs and, and sort of winning through that way. And the deck is bonkers. <laughs> I think I went four and one on the night, and the one round that I lost was against Child Rebel Walker from our uh, from our Discord. And, and he was targeting you pretty hard. <laughs> where he, yeah, he he literally played a a hard targeted uh, deck, like it was an Omnath Mirror, but his was effectively pre boarded against me, and he crushed me. He's like game one was he had like triple Lotus Cobra, and it was just it was not even close. So, but. Uh, completely without Uro made no difference at all. The The deck was just so crazy. Played a match against Reese, and I don't think I actually, like no offense to Reese, I beat him 2-0, but I don't think I actually paid almost any attention to what he was doing. I just played my game, and in the game two, I managed to get the double kill where I uh, completely milled him out and then activated Kenrith a million times and also killed him with damage. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it just didn't matter what he was doing and uh yeah i i don't think it's enough uh, and i think it's i think it's still going to be a problem and i'm tipping you guys here yeah, feel feel the same way yeah there needs to be a, a few more games played but you know the nature of arena there are a lot of games being played so i think there will be another announcement uh in the coming month or so I, yeah i'd be really surprised if there wasn't We've got a couple of big events coming up, like there's the season grand finals, I think, you know, week and a half or something, and then there's there's another big event not long after that as well. I can't remember what, exactly what it is, but yeah, I'm, t- I'm tipping we don't see any changes for at least a few weeks, but there's going to be gonna be further changes, and I'm sure we'll be discussing this again. So I guess we sort of move on to some of the other questions we wanted to, wanted to pose about this banning, and, and I guess uh, we'll sort of focus specifically on this at the moment. Why is it that uh, if Lotus Cobra and Omnath are the other real big culprits in uh, in this deck and, and they're the big problems, why wouldn't Wizards ban those decks? I'm uh, sorry, ban, ban those cards. So well, because you couldn't was- buy Omnath until Friday and then banning <laughs> it on Monday 
is a really bad look. And that's just what it is, right? Like, yeah. we, we, we've had one instance where they've banned a card before it was printed in memory jar. Um, was, like, illegal straight away because, I mean, memory jar's completely busted. But, yeah, th- I think that's basically what it comes down to. You have effectively a face card, the face chase mythic, if you God, li- It literally is. It's on all the <laughs> on all the packs. Like, I think right. all the, the set yeah. boosters will have Omnath on it. <laughs> right. So, it is, you know, it is literally the face card. And, unfortunately, Wizards has a tendency of printing these face cards. They did it with Emrakul. You know, and, and a couple of Oco. other things. Oko. Yeah, exactly. They, they they want these cards to have high impact. They want them to be in the top tier decks played in standard and, you know, potentially some follow through into other older formats potentially, right? That's that's what they're targeting for. But the problem is that when you shoot for the sun, sometimes you hit it and like then you have to burn everything down. <laughs> <laughs> and and it is a shame that we're it's it's actually a shame we're talking about these problem cards in in Cobra and Omnath with the Zendikar set because apart from these two, you know, outliers, the the rest of the set's great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it it is, and like I opened a box and it was super fun, and and some of the cards in there are just you know really good, and I've been enjoying Limited and all the rest of it. It's just. They, they, as Cracker said, they they hit the sun on this one, and and that's they've cast a shadow over the uh, the other the other cards in it. And uh, yes, they've they've pushed it too far. Uh, I would be interested in you know a hypothetical scenario. What if they printed Omnath but not Cobra? All right? Would would Omnath be as good? Would things be as as broken? Like, is Cobra actually the problem? Yeah, I th- I think. Cobra specifically, we might touch on in one of our questions a little bit later as to why it is a, a serious problem. But yeah, I, th- I think yeah, obviously, if you if you take either one of those cards out, the deck is way less powerful. I mean, if, if you take Omnath out, the deck doesn't exist. But take Cobra out, and that that takes away all the the crazy broken busted turns where yeah, you you play four ultimatums in in the one turn. So definitely makes an an a, a or has an effect on that uh, on that deck. So. Yeah, interesting choice by Wizards, and I agree with what you're saying about they don't want to ban the face cards of the format, and as you said, Cracker, one of the reasons it sort of often gives for that is that it's going to affect sales of of product, and I don't know if that's actually true. Like, if you knew that Omnath and Lotus Cobra were banned in this set that has just come out, would that stop you from actually purchasing any product? Like Chewy, you you bought a, a set booster box last yeah. week. Yeah, I, I think there are portions, there are demographics within the Magic community that would stop. Uh, whether how big that percentage is, I've no idea. But I I would still buy the box, and and I think a lot of you know enfranchised players would still purchase it. But there are a lot of people out there that you know, uh, particularly in the US, that will just they don't buy singles. Like they go to Walmart or Target and they buy what, however many packs are on the shelf and they, you know, just crack so many. They'll, they'll buy 200 bucks worth of cards uh, with the boosters and hope to crack that, you know, $20 rare that they're after. Um, there are a lot like that, that's a significant portion of, of the magic community. But are those, are those players actually? competitive players that are regularly playing tournaments if like any competitive tournament player that i know of buys singles because it is completely not worth buying boosters to get the cards that you want to get so if, if you're the sort of person that just likes cracking packs and and just goes out like i do i buy a, a booster box and a bundle every set because i like cracking packs the fact that one of the cards would be banned in it makes zero difference to to me and I guess like that's something we'll touch on as well in, in some of the other questions is what do you, like we've always said what's the the percentage of competitive players that actually care about you know the the health of the format and and all that sort of that's stuff That's a lot lower than than Johnny Johnny kitchen table player. Sorry, yeah. what's the what's the kitchen table player type? <laughs> Timmy? Timmy's. I can't remember Cracker you did the episode. <laughs> yeah, is the Timmy's mostly. Yeah. yeah. So so th- it's, there's a bit of an ecosystem, and it, this is hard to quantify. But you know, people go out and they they buy a whole bunch of their 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 packs, and then you know people sell them on the secondary market. So people 
not buying singles and buying, you know, these these bulk amounts of, of cards in the, you know, attempt to try to turn a profit on them. And again, it's so hard to quantify how what percentage of Magic players these are. So this is, is a bit of a hypothetical scenario. Uh, if we don't have these people buying these bulk lots and then moving on what they don't want because they may be predominantly commander players and only want a single copy, then the risk is that the price of the singles for the competitive player gets driven up because there isn't the availability because they're just sitting on the shelf, right? So I don't know how big of an impact that is, 1%, 10%, I, I couldn't tell you, but that is probably a consideration. But Wizards, they're a business. They want to look after all of their stakeholders, uh, with, you know, however you engage with the game, like all, every sales matters to, to wizards, right? Every, every pack that runs off the shelf is a, um, you know, uh, a goal of theirs to, to ensure that that happens. And there's also, you know, the, the, cons- I know we'll talk about consumer confidence at some point, but, uh, I think that is a, a factor as well. And that's why they don't want these flagship cards. Like they want people to be excited about them. People go, I want Omnath. I want to build it as my commander. I'm not going to buy the singles because that's not how I engage with the product. I'm going to go to my local store, buy a whole bunch of packs because opening packs is great and, and buy them and hope that I, I get the card that I want. Yeah. But those people aren't standard players. You just said they're people that are cracking packs because they want to build it as their commander. So they don't, care that it's banned in standard at all so it has zero effect on them so shorty for me it's like if there was another copy of and i've just been scrolling through to find whatever the junk rare is kazandu mammoth right if i crack that in my booster am i excited nope no because it's a bulk, so bulk rare. it's it's a bulk rare so you, the, the problem it takes is some you, of the luster off the set, right? Uh, undoubted, undoubtedly, like you, you can't talk about the fact that there's a banning of Omnath, right? That doesn't have a negative impact. But no, no. In 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 many respects, it just becomes a bulk rare. But right? if, if 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 it's a card that's good enough for Commander, it is not a bulk rare. Correct. And they, and they both need, Lotus Cobra one. and Omnath are very much Commander playable cards. So sure. They still, they're still going to hold value, all that sort of stuff. And, and like, if, if you're talking about a card being banned in standard, it's a good card. It's not a bulk rare to start with. It is, you know, Uro is worth 60 bucks. I guarantee you it's still going to be worth 40 plus because it's going to be played in all these other formats throughout the years. So it, it might even top 60 bucks again at some point. But with, with that, I'm going to run the risk of insulting a portion of Magic players here, right? Consumer confidence is a thing. If, if you're the type of player that is after a chase card and instead of buying the singles, you buy 200 bucks worth of packs in the hope that you get the, the, the card you're after, you're also likely, and here, I apologize if I offend anybody here, but this is my observation <laughs> after, you know, 15 plus Hang years on, of, just, of playing this game. I'll take a timestamp so I can edit this out yep, if you need to. Exactly. <laughs> um, so if, if you, if you fit that, that demographic, then you may go, oh, the, these cards are banned, even though that doesn't actually impact me in any way, that may influence your decision of whether or not you're going to purchase these cards. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm just sort of playing a little bit of devil's, devil's advocate there. So, obviously, banning cards from the brand new set that literally hasn't even been released yet is, it's not a good look for anybody. It doesn't matter where you are, where what formats you play, all that sort of stuff. Like, I, I agree there. The wizard sales department would be absolutely advocating against it. Oh yeah, like some some power that be would be going. You are, you cannot ban. I don't. It doesn't matter how much you've stuffed up your cards in your design. You cannot ban a set a card from a set that has just been released. So it's it's just not going to happen. And that, I guess that's probably what it comes down to. The yeah, the doesn't matter how bad the card is. They're just not going to do it to a new card because it is it is not a good look. Uh, sort of across the board, despite it probably having very little uh, effect on sales overall and, and things like that. So a I couple wonder of things we- if that would be different if it was something like Nahiri's Lithoforming, right? It wasn't the flagship card. It was a it was a powerful card that yeah. was rare and yeah, it was not, breaking not the Not on the boosters and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that would have a- uh- 
Uh, possibly, and yeah, it's too hard to tell. We don't we don't know until until that sort of happens. So tune in for when the next set gets released, and we <laughs> we see it happen again. <laughs> just run this back. We could just re-edit it and just like put in Ch- new card, card names. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> so we touched on a couple of things there that sort of all tie in together there. So one thing is, yeah, uh, do comp- you know? Obviously, competitive players that are playing you know, all the time on Arena and especially Arena at the moment with the way things are in the world, they care about the health of the format. So they want a good, solid, standard format that's not broken, doesn't have these crazy decks, all that sort of stuff. But as we sort of touched on, how big is that percentage of players? So even just in our Discord, so we have, I don't know, like 100 people or something like that in our Discord, there's stacks of people in our Discord that have just continued playing. They, you know, they while all these cards have been legal, they just continue playing the games. They're still jamming a whole bunch of arena every week, and and it, magic's it a fun game, right? Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really matter. You know, if you're playing down in gold level or even platinum, or whatever, you're just playing against random decks all the time, and and they just they don't care. That's just the people in our Discord. If you if you took, I don't know how many people are on arena. Let's say there's ten million people on arena, which I, I'm tipping is probably a low number now. I'm, I'm, I reckon they're above that. What are the what's the percentage of those players that actually really care about having a really solid, balanced, standard metagame? I think more than you think. I actually think that the the concept of competitive magic has really shifted with Arena. And you talk to people about like people in our Discord who have who have continued playing and say, Hey, do you like losing to turn four Omnath into you know, or turn three Omnath into turn four double Genesis ultimatum. And they would be like, no, I see Omnath and I just scoop. I just move on. Right. So they care, but they're not necessarily vocal. Now, we obviously see- They're still continuing to play though. They are, but that doesn't mean that they don't care about a balanced format. They're just not screaming about it on social media, like the people we follow. Right. So I saw, look, obviously the, the people who are in franchise and the ones who are winning money and making a living off content creation and, you know, like earnings from engaging in in purely digital magic these days, because that is the only method we have available, right? They are obviously vocal about it, and they're the ones who push for things to happen like we're getting banned, right? And, you know, Wizards acknowledged in their announcement, I thought it was interesting that, you know, the, that there is no early game in a format anymore. They, no. they literally have had millions of games played within the first week, right? The first few days- of Arena having a set release. They have literally millions of games worth of data. So they know almost instantly like how well this card is performing. They have all the matchup stats. And they aren't all pro players. Like if you take the top however many, well, what do we say there is? Like a thousand pro players in the world, two thousand? They can't play there's, there's millions not even, of not even a hundred actual pro players anymore. Right. But but you talk about people who would consider themselves pro or like top level mythic, right? There's twelve hundred mythic you know, the top 1,200, there's what, you hit 1,500, I think, of the numbers, and then you get down to the percentages. So, call it like the top, you know, 2,000 players are, are mythic ranked, right? And you only care about them. They are heavily invested in the game. And, but and you compare I, I that to you Shorty's they- conservative 10 million estimate, right? Like, they are the vocal minority a lot of the time. <laughs> and I think that's Shorty's point that Not he's making. But, but what I'm saying is that wizards you you're absolutely right they are the vocal ones but they don't play millions of games of magic in less than a week no uh, i and I so think- that's the that's the thing like it, they're not people look at these websites right people look at you know goldfish and those kinds of places and they will see this information look there are people that will play whatever and, and not care but i think that the like is it just pros that are complaining and you know forcing these changes through i think it's more than that yeah, I, I, I'm not saying it is just pros. I'm like by competitive players, I mean us. Like we're we're people sure. that actually care a bit about the metagame. People that want to grind the ladder as well. And yeah. uh, and I think Cracker, you said a couple of times there when you were explaining your point that you know there's been a million games plus played in a week. I think that definitely contributes to this this situation because the metagame is solved instantly now, right? Yeah. It it used to take weeks. Once upon a time, it took months uh, where, you know, there was – there's no such thing as secret tech now. Now it's just metagame adjustment and it, it's a, you know, just through sheer volume, the number of content creators, people being able to – you can play games on Arena faster 
and like the volume of games you can play in arena is more than we've ever been able to play magic ever right so it's a you know people get to these broken things a lot faster like identify and then tune these broken things a lot faster than they they used to and then you have to sit down yeah you're right you only have to sit down across someone who plays cobra omnath ultimatum once to go well that's completely insane and then be able to work backwards from there right so you don't even have to be looking at deck lists you can just look at the cards as they're released or even not even as you encounter them in in gameplay and see that you know, this card does what and it does what and it does how much and like you can read these cards and I think that's part of the design philosophy these days, right? Is that the most powerful cards are so insanely and overtly powerful that you don't have to be a deck building genius anymore. You just have to go, I play Uros, um, I play Omnaths, oh, this is a ramp card. And here's a payoff. Like, you can build that deck and, like, it's not going to be optimal. It's not going to be the top 75. But I reckon that, like, if you sat people down and said, I think you should build a deck around Omnath, people would get to 50 cards of the pro lists very quickly. I agree with that. Yeah. Yes. But but what percentage of the player base are people that are actually doing that? And that's that's where I think, and and this where, you know, at, at the end of the day, it all comes back to money and sales for Wizards. There, if you've got 10 million players and you've got, say, I don't know, a million that are actually full-on competitive, and, and I put us in that category, uh, which I think is probably not a not a far-off estimate there, you've still got 9 million people who are just playing with whatever they've got, and, and they just play and they put their money in, and, oh, sweet, I cracked this card. Oh, yeah, I'll put that in my deck and whatever. They're the ones that actually earn wizards the money <laughs> are they I, I don't think they are man i don't think they are because you, you look at the people who are playing like that take me for example you've you've put me in this category as as competitive i have spent now what i just bought the like pre-order for this one so what like 80 dollars in total even though i've played a lot of magic on there you look at like these content creators and things there are people who have spent you know thousands and thousands of dollars already on like zendikar Right, like you take someone like um, I think it was Seth was saying he's probably spent like two thousand dollars worth of gems just to make sure that he has every card available for for Zendikar just so that he has it immediately. I yeah, mean, but that's that's yeah, one. So person. that ten percent no, of your that's what I'm saying. player base that's- is going to represent far more than ten percent exactly. of your profits. And that's and we're just talking that. about that just in Zendikar. So those players, though, that ten percent is your enfranchised players that are going to do that every single set. Those other players will will come in and out of the games. The ones that aren't enfranchised, they will they will go two, three sets where they may not purchase a card. They may not even play the game, and then they'll something will come out. They'll see a trailer on. Um, on YouTube and go, oh yeah, magic. I, that's a fun game to play, you know, on my laptop on the couch. I'll, I'll grab something, you know, I'll play the new set because that looks fun. But then I won't play again for the rest of the year. So that, that's the other end. That's the other 10%. I, I don't know that the million players is worth more than the other nine shorty, but yeah, it's probably yeah, 50%. Uh, I, I don't think I, it's I anywhere near 50%. I, th- I think the more casual players are the ones that are the one ones that get in on the microtransactions. And yeah, they might not play as much as the others, but they're the ones that buy the special card arts and the pets and all that sort of stuff. I've put us into the competitive players category. I have not put money into arena in a year and a half. I think there's a third group of people uh, that we're kind of arguing for and against. So there are, there are people that are competitive players that, that spend money on the game. There are people that are free to play only and come in and out of the game. That's probably the million on either end. Uh, so then you've got 8 million people that are on a sliding scale between those two extremes, I think. So it's, there's, they're the, they're, that's the bulk of players that are probably more like cracker, right? That, that may, may spend, you know, 50 bucks a year, um, on average, uh, across the, across the, the game. And then, you know, times, you know, Eight million people—that's yeah. that's a lot of money, right? <laughs> that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. I, I so, feel like we slid away from your point here a bit. Yeah, though, yeah we, <laughs> we Unsurprisingly, we segued. <laughs> so, so what was the the point that you were trying to make? That the the bulk of the people don't care, or that when they log in and they see that they're 
Uros that they just had one copy of that they liked in their deck they played with their mates is now banned and they're upset. Like, where, where were we going with the, the uh, thought I th- there? I think it is that the bulk of the players are, obviously, they're, they're not the vocal people that are complaining for the metagame and they don't, it doesn't have a huge impact on them if there are broken cards like Uro and uh, Omnath and, and things like that. They're, they're not playing in the metagame where those cards are a problem, so they're not aware that they are a problem. They're playing their fun decks and they're playing it in their levels and, you know, they might have those cards, but they're the ones that, yeah, they're going to get that notification when they log in and go, oh, oh, my card got banned. Well, why did my card get banned? And so that's something that Wizards needs to needs to consider. So they they're not they don't Conversely, care about it. Do, if if they don't care enough to like play ladder and do that sort of thing, and they're just like casual, like kitchen table stuff on arena, then do they actually care? Because they're probably just like direct challenging. Been, at which point it doesn't. Yeah, matter. yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't. But then they're still going. They're still getting that notification of. And oh, then they get like, free wildcards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What so that's that's value. what I mean. Like, <laughs> I think that's I think that's an important delineation here. Uh, the arena player versus the, the the paper magic player. If you've invested in some product, hoping to get your your Omnath, or you've purchased Uros, that money's gone when that card gets banned. That's yep. a very good. Well. You with arena, you get to keep the card and you get a wild card. You can play it in historic, and and you get your mythic wild card back. Um, so you can go and get the the other thing that you you want because nobody's ever got enough mythic wild cards. So I think <laughs> arena rares, actually rares. lessens the impact of bannings versus yes, paper. Definitely. I think it's, it's, also, I think it's a positive. And it, it, it may be why the appetite for banning has gone up, and maybe a contrib not sort of the sole reason, but it could be a contributing factor. Yeah, the other thing with when a banning happens on arena is so obviously in paper the cards are already printed the probability of getting those cards in those packs stays the same no matter if a card's banned or not on arena wizards have the ability to adjust the packs so they can actually go okay these cards have been banned in uh, in standard well we're actually going to adjust the numbers so that those cards don't show up as often and, and things like that so again that's that digital versus paper and, and all that sort of stuff which we've discussed before but it means you can ban your cards and then not have people go, oh, I just cracked that. I, I really wish that card was something else because I've just cracked a card that's that's now banned. All right, we better move on from from that point where we got completely off topic. <laughs> uh, I think it was a good discussion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, all right, the next sort of uh, line of questioning is on the actual design of the cards. So do we think uh, Wizards is actually like messing up in the design of them or are they purposely designing these cards so a card like omnath is to me you know, i mean we didn't even talk about omnath when we we're doing our sort of preview stuff and, and i probably looked at it when the previews came out and just went oh that just looks like a commander card and didn't didn't give it a second thought when you actually stop and read it you go yeah that card's crazy broken and i don't know how we missed that but do you think you know wizards is actually going okay we need to design these powerful face cards like you, you guys were saying before the ones that get printed and put on our artwork and put on our packs and that sort of stuff we need them to be super powerful so they get played and so they sell packs or they're just designing cards thinking they're fine and they're clearly not um, and you know is a card like omnath was it meant to be just a commander card that people go, oh, yeah, that's you know, that's a cool card, but it's only going to get played in commander, and they just completely balls it up. Where, I think there's what are you guys yes think? to both of your points uh, a little bit. So I think they a bit of column A, a bit of column B. Yeah, they've they've publicly said that they want to push the power level. That that that's come out, and they, they said, oh, you you think Throne of Eldraine was powerful? Wait till you see Zendikar, right? That's that's <laughs> been a statement, right, from Morrow and it, it all. So it's. They have understood now that, you know, the, the player base, the spectrum of, of magic player is really broad and they want every product that, that, you know, every, every base set to appeal to as many different people as possible. They want, you know, your kitchen table or commander player. They want your, you know, legacy vintage modern player. They want your, you know, standard metagame grinder, uh, all to be invested in the, uh, in the set. So they will put cards in the set that uh, appeal to as many different people as possible. So if you can have a card like Omnath that 
crosses those yeah, cr- boundaries. Cross format play. Yeah. Yep. Then, then that's t- from a card design perspective, they've nailed it. But yes, they probably made it too powerful. <laughs> and yes, they probably made a mistake in printing a card like Omnath alongside a card like Cobra in the same set. So I don't know whether the design teams are a bit siloed and that's how that's come out. What's interesting to me from a card design and a what Wizards have produced perspective is if we look back at the the, the history of the play design team, the more effort that we've put into the play design team, the more broken cards we've got. So it's a... Uh, it's it's interesting. Is is the play design thing actually working? Is it uh, is is this by design or by having a bunch of spiky pros, you know, test and build your cards? Yeah, uh, <laughs> have you know, they caused is it, is it, it actually having the they're... opposite effect? That's a yeah, separate yeah. conversation. But yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's kind of part of that part of that question is like, have they purposefully designed it to sell the sets, or is it? the fact that they've got an R&D team that are pro players that are trying, like their their job or their previously, you know, their, their job as a pro player was to try and break the formats. Has it had that <laughs> reverse effect and, and they've they've actually broken the formats with, with their designs? I, I don't know. Obviously, we don't see the behind the scenes on that sort of stuff. But then if you combine that point with, Way more, pl- way more, way more magic being played in a shorter yeah. period of time. That that's exacerbating that, right? If if that is in fact the cause. So, quick question for you guys: Ixalon, yes, right? How many mythics do you remember out of the Ixalon block? Uh, the angel that we played in Godfarer's Gift. That was from Ixalon, I think. Not not many. No, it wasn't. I don't know what it was from. The dinosaurs. You know, those the white one had double strike. The red one did a lot of damage. Right, that was pretty cool. Right. At, uh, I'm, I'm just, sure there was I'm some just looking. planeswalkers. <laughs> yeah, uh, like uh, Ixalan so, was so a, a notoriously low-powered set. And I that's, think that's what problem. you're getting at so, there, Yeah, that's exactly my point, right? So the, the, the challenge that Wizards has is that they are damned if they do and damned if they don't. Yes. And like, as we've said before, Magic is the most complicated game ever. And if you take just some of these numbers, if you made Oko a five-drop and instead of it being plus one for one of his abilities, it's a minus one. All of a sudden, that card goes from being banned in multiple formats to never played anywhere except yeah. Commander. Yeah, such so, a fine like, balance. Exactly. And so, like, it's it's super hard. And obviously, like, none of us are working in R&D. And I don't know how much we can blame play design because I don't know that they- I, I don't know how active they are in the actual development. I think they get given cards and get told to play with them. I don't know how they ended up in the format that we should have at the moment with and thinking that was okay. <laughs> with fires and Oko and- <laughs> Yeah, just, just everything. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, all, all those things. But it's it's tricky. The, the answer is yes, they are deliberately designing cards that are incredibly powerful and that will sell sets and will be played. And they're now targeting multiple formats. I remember when in- I, I just looked it up because I, I was like, when- uh, Fatal Push came out. Yep. Everyone was like, oh, my goodness. This is Aether Revolt. So, this is a couple of years ago now, right? A few years ago. Um, everyone was like, man, it's been ages since there's been a card in a standard set that was immediately adopted into modern. Yeah. And I think that was an interesting point for me. I was like, you know, there's this uncommon and it's really good. It's not busted, but it was immediately adopted. And I think from then onwards, you look at the amount of cards per set that have immediately been adopted into modern and in legacy and completely and in, changed those and formats in vintage and and not just been adopted exactly it's not just a better removal spell for jund or death shadow all of a sudden it's oko and now it's you know defining the format yeah. 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 yeah yeah it's whole, just whole it's changed the entire metagame overnight yeah and so there is most assuredly this this power creep that wizards have very much said that they're aiming for these sets that are power level of nine out of ten and clearly on some of these cards, they're hitting 11s. Yep. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And look, I don't- the thing, the thing for me is that I don't hate that. I don't hate that they're pushing for powerful cards. No, not at all. Right? I, I think that they should be. And I think that we have to accept the consequence of that being they are going to miss. They are going to have to ban things. But the problem is that they're not adjusting their strategy around how they handle these cards that are broken. Omnath is clearly 
much more powerful than everything else that can be done in standard right now, right? Yep. In conjunction with with Cobra and Ultimatum, right? That is that that combo of those three cards is the most powerful thing you can be doing. Yep. So they need to make adjustments in if they're going to print powerful things, be prepared to ban them. Yeah, have have a have a system in place to deal with them. It's sort of touching on the the card design aspect. So we we've, we've mentioned Cobra as being a problem card. Why is Cobra a problem card? And and, and this sort of ties into a, like a question we've got here about adding life gain to uh, to ramp spells or adding card draw to ramp spells, which we've seen with. Uh, like growth spiral, we've seen with uh, Uro is the you know archetypical example of that. You got both life gain and card draw, well, and Omnath uh, as well. Yeah, and, and Omnath. But it, from my point of view, ramp has always, and we touched on this in the last cast. Ramp is ramp should be susceptible to fast aggro decks. You know, if you're if you're gonna play a deck where your whole aim is to generate heaps of mana or get get extra lands on the battlefield, whatever, as quick as you can because you want to play your big endgame spells. The downside to that is that you need to survive long enough to be able to do that. And when you tack on life gain and card draw to these ramp spells, that's messing that all up. So previously in, in you know older formats, you would have had Lanoir Elf. Lanoir Elf, you know, one mana, one, one, taps to add a green mana. Easy to kill. It only adds one green mana, and you need to wait a turn before you can use it. You know, even a card like Cultivate, it's yep, it's three mana. You get one land, so you get a little bit of ramp, and you get another land in your hand. You get so card advantage. It's good. Yeah, um, yep. So you got you so, got a little bit in there, but it's not it's not crazy. Whereas a card like Cobra is where you start to get broken because when you have other cards in your deck or in the in the format where you can chain together playing multiple lands in the same turn, you get way more than just adding one extra mana to your mana pool like you do with a uh, you know a Lanoir Elf or something like that. And and so that's where I'm, it becomes I'm gonna a show my age a little bit here and way back when uh, we used to have uh, rampant growth as our as our ramp spell. And then they put Secure Tribe Builder into the format, right? And so Secure Tribe Builder, for those who don't know, it's a green and one for a 1-1 one, one snake, and it has Sacrifice Secure Tribe Builder and uh, put a basic land from your deck into play. So it's rampant growth on a 1-1 one, one body. That absolutely changed the the face of, of ramp decks because the aggressive decks that tried to get under your ramp, you could block... And well, even back then you could potentially trade with something because you could put damage on the sack, <laughs> yeah. but, um, you could, you could block and you could then sack, absorb some damage and still get your ramp spell. So it, it was, I guess the, one of the first cards that we, it's like the grandfather of, of the cards we're talking about, right? Where it, it was a, a powerful effect that had been around for some time and it, it was through a seemingly really simple, uh, adjustment, uh, the power level went through the roof. And that's that, uh, to Cracker's point, the, the balance that they've, they've tried to, to have. And, but the, the thing that made Secure Tribe Builder not broken is it wasn't a repeatable effect. Yep. You can, you can trigger Lotus Cobra and Uro multiple times in a turn and every single turn. It, and that makes it abusable. Um, whereas Lanor Elves, you can only tap it once. Uh, with rampant, yeah. you know, if you if you are trying to abuse it, you've got to go way out of your way to have some sort of funky untap effect and whatever, and then you're playing some sort of glass cannon combo, and and it's easily disruptible. Yeah, because it relies on a one one, right? Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. So the the cards are too robust. The cards, uh, the modern cards, uh, and they're they're too repeatable, therefore too abusable. And I think that's the that's where the spike in power level has gotten. They try to balance things by adding, you know, additional colours of mana. Uh but the just, just colours of the, the colours of mana in modern magic don't matter as much as the total converted mana cost. So I I think if Omnath had an extra generic mana tapped on to it, it would probably be more balanced. Uh you know, to come down that turn later. Although Cobra may mitigate some <laughs> yeah. of that as well, yeah. so. it's, it's interesting that the obviously the 
the trade-off in quotes for for Omnath's power level is its again air quotes prohibitive mana cost. the The problem is that we have realized over the last 15, 20 years, whatever it is, that mana is the single most important element of magic, right? If you don't have the right mana, you can't do anything. And as such, wizards have designed now sets to have good mana because when they don't have good mana, people get really mad, right? So we have triomes, we have fable passages, we have these new pathway lands, right? And so- we Mana have Lotus in, Cobra that can just have, pick which color yeah, yeah, you need. But, but, but ignoring Cobra for a second, even if we didn't have Cobra, our mana in modern magic is really good and, and consistently for like a long time now has just been really good. Sometimes they're better than others. We're also we're just- playing more lands as well. Than well, we ever have before. So well, I mean, but now they're putting spells on them. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> but that's a, that's a whole other thing. But uh, so look, I th- I think I saw some people on Twitter talking about the fact that perhaps if our mana wasn't as good, then it wouldn't be such a problem. Now, obviously, like Cobra completely exacerbates that, and then you've got cards like the Dryad of Elysian yeah, Grove and stuff like that, which yep. just instantly turns all your lands into every color that you need, which is just. Crazy. Yes. And it's a two four, right? Like that's that is not a fragile body. It's a three not- mana two four. Yeah, right. <laughs> how, does, play how does Mono Red deal with that? Yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah, and so, I, and that's that's yeah. you know, that, that brings back that whole I guess sort of what we started this point on. You when you're playing a ramp deck where you want to be playing these big powerful spells or whatever, you should be susceptible to fast aggro decks. And the decks just aren't. And, and I think, I think Cracker, you might have said at the start of this cast that there is no early game anymore. Like, yeah, you, you know, you, you play your one mana one one on, on turn one. And like by turn two, it's like, oh, well, now I just can't attack with it. It, it does nothing. My, my yep. opponent, everything my opponent's doing is outscaled that already. Uh, and even if you do get a super quick start, like I've, you know, as I said, I've been playing a little bit of mono red this week. Sometimes you get those draws where you go, Turn one, fervent champion. Turn two, you play two fervent champions. So you've bashed them for one on turn turn one, and then you bash them for six on turn two. It's like, yeah, woohoo! I just did seven damage to them. Two turns later, they're on thirty five life, <laughs> and you're just going, ah, oh, well, what what do I do? I, I can't beat that. And yeah, that's that. I think that's where the design has is falling or is failing a little bit, where they're tacking on these extra effects. That probably shouldn't be there. From a with- color pie perspective, they probably shouldn't be there. Well, I mean, like you look at a card like Growth Spiral, it is green and blue, green ramps, blue draws a card. So you go, okay, well, let's just put those two together. But it's also an instant. So it's, it's blue. If that yeah, was a sorcery blue. and it was um, Scry One <laughs> instead. Yeah, 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 something like that. But it's- Or three mana. Yeah, three, three mana. But yeah, that, like I said, we're, they're pushing, they want these cards played, but. Those cards lead to lead to these problems. So, yeah, that's a, that's one uh, one design issue that I think. Like, obviously, I'm not the only person to identify that. I've heard of heard other people identifying it, and yeah, something that's been a problem for a while. And and yeah, we may we may continue seeing that. I mean, for quite a while in standard, they refused to print uh, one mana mana dorks. So like Lanoir elves and things like that. That was just on their list of no, we don't need one mana guys in in standard for like. Four years or something like that. It was that. a long time. It didn't yeah. come back to a Dominaria, right? Yeah, and then we then we got Lanoir Elf, and then we got uh, the Goose, and then we got our Boreal Grazer, and <laughs> it's just like, okay, cool, we're, we're doing this again. So, all right, continuing on with our topic. So we've we've mentioned we can sort of combine a couple of these together. We've mentioned this a few times. the The volume of games that get played on Arena. As soon as the set is released, compared to what they'd play in play design. Now, obviously, we don't know the inner workings of of wizards and how much time they put in, but I, I don't I don't even know how big the play design team is. Let's say it's ten people, which I think it's I don't think it is ten people, but it's it's close to that, I think. Okay, so let's say we've got ten people. I know from when we've done our testing, like testing for events and things like that, we'll get together and we'll go, oh, okay, you know, we're going to test. We'll all go to Chris's house or something. Let's jam a bunch of games. And there might be six of us there or whatever. In an evening of playing, wanting to test, I might play six games. <laughs> in six the, in matches. A, yeah. Yeah, six, six matches in an entire evening. And 
I'm not trying to design a set and find what's broken and have having to work with the whole card pool and work out Create how interact- limited format. Yeah, and, and all that sort of stuff. Like it's their task is it's impossible. There is Especially no- when you think ten people versus the 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 number of people that actually play the game. It wouldn't matter whether they had a hundred people or a thousand people, yeah. they'd still be in the same situation, right? But so I, I don't know how long they test for. It, it might, let's say they, you know, they put a set together and they go, we're testing this set for two weeks and you've got 10 people jamming games for two weeks. That's still not that many games. You've also got to factor into that. If, if they test for a week and then go, oh, hang on, okay, this card's a bit broken. Let's take, take this card out of the set or let's add this card or let's make this change or whatever. You're then almost starting from scratch with your testing because you, you now have almost a new format and you don't, you're not going to find those weird interactions and find those broken cards. So it's, it's very much an impossible task for, or from like, you know, from my point of view for them to succeed. And then, like's been mentioned on the, on the cast already multiple times tonight, as soon as that set releases on Arena, within probably the first hour, more matches have been played than they did through the, the design. It's impossible to do this, like, so. What you've said there is very much in line with what I do for work, right? Where yeah, yeah, I, I was going to bring that up. <laughs> you, yeah, you do this you, sort of stuff for work. Yeah, you, so you you have a system and you you want to introduce a new change. What you you have to test everything that is in the new change. You also have to regression tests. So you need to make sure that that. Once you've established that the change works, it does what you want it to do. Like, is this set any good? You then have to then go back and look at the, what you've got in your current environment to see if what you're introducing breaks it. And, and the regression testing, traditionally you do 20%, you do like key elements, right? So it's a, a thing where you, you just cannot do full suite of testing to regression things to group to regression tests you have to do targeted things and inevitably things get missed and once you flip the switch and turn the thing on you have to fix things on, yeah, on the gotta, fly gotta deal with the issues <laughs> implement workarounds and yeah. a banning is a workaround yeah yeah absolutely so it's yeah it's, it's definitely an issue and we sort of mentioned it briefly earlier back when we started playing magic or when we started playing competitive magic you and i chewy a new set would come out and, you know, you'd have the pre-release. The set wouldn't even be legal for, like, two weeks. And then- And we'd have a pro tour. Yeah, you'd, you'd have a pro tour a few weeks after that. But it would take, like, a month before you even figure out what decks are good. Because, the like, Magic Online was around then, but we well, I wasn't playing it. And the volume of games getting played was not, not no way near what that would be getting played now. You cared a lot more about your local metagame than yeah, the global metagame. Yeah, so you would, yep. you know, a set would come out and you'd you'd go, oh, sweet, you know, I cracked a box and I've got these cards and I'll, I'll go and I'll pick up a few more from the store and then I'll sit down and we'll play our local local matches and, oh, no, okay, yeah, these, oh, that's a good, good deck idea and so you'd change and whatever. But it would take weeks and weeks and weeks for things to happen and now and, that, and that happens that. in an hour we really yeah. have <laughs> yeah. but that that happened in you know like less influence from the internet less content creators arx logger was a good card right it was just uh it, it it's very different and i look back you know really fondly at those times and there's a lot of nostalgia there but the growth of magic that we've seen over that, you know, decade and a half or whatever it is, that that is now a bygone era. Yeah, and, yeah it's long gone. Um, it can never come yeah, back. No, no, it's just not going to happen. Um, and, you know, that makes me a little bit sad, but I also love how big magic is and, and how many people are into it. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, another question, Cracker, I don't know if, if you know anything about sort of beta testing and things like that in games and things, but... A question I wanted to raise is why can't Wizards run test servers when they're designing the set? So obviously there's no point designing the set, having it go to print and then running a test server because the, the cards are already in print and it's it's too late for that. But if you were to select, you know, a thousand top top level players and they all sign NDAs, whatever, and they get given access to a test server and it's for a set that's coming out in two years time and 
you know, you don't even need card art on it. You don't need official names, whatever. You just go, all right, here you go. You guys, you've got access to this test serve two weeks. This is a potential format that you might have in, in a few years' time. Go nuts. And they play it for two weeks and This whatever. is the perfect function for the MPL. Yes. Yeah, definitely. They've got contracted players already. Yep. Yep. Why, why aren't they doing it? And it, it, like by the, you're not gaining any competitive advantage because by the time the set releases, it may have changed a bit, but it's also in two years' time when the set releases. So it's not like you go in two years' time, you go, oh, yeah, I remember that card and now I've got a competitive advantage because the, the format could, you know, it's probably going to be different and testing two years ahead of an event is definitely not, not going to help you. Do you think that would work, Cracker? I do. Like, I, it's, again, it, it comes down to the, like we were talking about before, we have now moved into an accelerated pace of everything, right? It's just, and it's not going to change. And so, they need to make adaptions. Yes. And so, they, they have tried, right? You, you can't say that they haven't tried. How hard they've tried, it's, a, it's an entirely different question. But the idea of a few years ago, they went out and they hired, you know, Paul Cheon and Melissa Del Toro and, you know, like- um, you know, they've had like Jerry Thompson and, and like Patrick Chapin and like really, you know, like elite level professional players consulting and working on this game. And at times it's done really well for us. But the, the, the challenge is now, like we said, it's just a volume thing. Yep. And they really do need to, if they want to be able to increase it, they, they either need to be able to adapt faster and they can't do that. No. Right? Yeah, they're t- they're, they're tied to the paper. <laughs> we're not Hearthstone. Yes. Where we can just go, we need to errata this card and it costs two more and we nerf this thing, right? Yeah. You can't nerf things because the supply chain is so long and they're working on sets, like you said, two years out, right? They have to be because they've got to get art done. They've got to get, you know, all the legal stuff done, making sure that, you know, everything that they have, like there's, there's a huge machine behind the cards that are sitting on my desk in front of me, right? They they have passed through, you know, dozens of hands, both physically and, you know, in the pre-production side of thing to, to reach the point where they can actually just put it on a piece of cardboard and send it out. So, with that in mind, they probably do need to look at a method in which they can shrink, well, you know, like bring in people to, to en masse be able to, to do what you're suggesting. But the thing is, like, the, the MPL isn't enough. No. And, and like, yeah. if you've ever listened to, um, like, Limited Resources, he talks about the machine, right? And that is just what Arena is now. It is, like, the ultimate machine where you put in 260 new cards and then, you know, within a few days we've had millions of games played and we're spitting out these already highly tuned lists. So, even if we do, like you said, they, they hire a thousand people to play- you know, in nonstop for two weeks and they're, they're making changes and adjustments and things, the machine will find things that those people yeah. can't. Yeah. So, it's not like they can solve the format. It's just not going to happen. It, it, it would reduce it, though. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're going to find the egregious things. They're going to find the egregious things. Yeah, find, exactly. the, uh, find the outliers. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, like, you, there's no reason why you couldn't just- almost open it to the public like a lot of games have public test servers and i'm pretty sure like games like omnath uh, games like omnath games like hearthstone <laughs> i just looked at my screen and saw omnath there uh they have their test server so before a set gets released to the public you can download the test server and play with the new cards before they they actually get released see the problem with that is that magic is a tcg as well right and there are um, secondary market considerations and dollar yeah, values yeah. Yep. that are assigned to these cards and it would mean that there's much more uh, it's too open for manipulation in yeah that, yeah in that so you, you could you couldn't do it in that exact same way but you could no, do it with sets that are coming in two years where you're removing card names and you, you don't have art and all that sort of stuff um yeah you know, absolutely ben, and you know ben stark's like always like been you said yeah, Ben Stark's always been famous for saying it, it, it makes zero difference to him what the name of the card is and what the art is or the flavor or anything like that. He's just looking at what's in the text box. So you don't need all those things to play the game. They're just the things that make it look cool and, and flashy and whatever. You have a test server where all the relevant stuff is removed and do it two years in advance so that people are not getting any sort of financial or competitive advantage. And you just continue rolling that, you know, every yeah. every, every three I, months. I, I okay, don't know if, new I don't know if two up. years is- uh, uh, However long is, their lead yeah, time is. Because, yeah. yeah, working on cards in in two years out, working on a set in two years out, I'm sure they're not at the let's design 
the cards at that point. They're, they're doing everything else yeah, in the background. Yeah, but yeah. yeah working it, on their concepts and whatever. Six, nine, 12 months is probably doable, though. Yeah. They've already got these sets designed, though. Like, if you look at the the time they do announce the release schedule for 2021, they will be within a few cards of all of those sets being done, I would suggest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, from what I understand, it's it's at least 12 months. Yeah. Like, yeah. A, a set is finished 12 months before we actually see it released. So it yeah, might, and it that's, might- that's when it could be- Put onto the test client, yeah, uh, yeah, but it, it, like that's the thing. You need it before then. You need to find that before it gets finished. You need to run a test server, find those issues, and then go. Okay, now we have a finished product. So it might it might be eighteen months that you're you yeah, doing the test. Anyway, I, I, I don't know. It's a yeah, it's yeah. it's irrelevant. It's not not our decision, and uh, but it's definitely something that I I would like to see Wizards do, and I think it would make a huge difference. But Arena's only what like three years old now. It's it's exploded well beyond probably what they expected, and they're playing catch up mode. And then we've got a global pandemic, and like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's a perfect it's, storm of, yeah, of every, everything. Of could, things that they tried to like push the power level, <laughs> and then you know we've we've had all these other exciting things happening. Yeah. So yeah, we we might look back on this in two years, and they've got all these things in place, and they're putting out these perfect sets, and go, okay, yep, it took them a while to get there, but they got there in the end, and you know, good on them. So so. I've got a hypothetical for you. What what do you think would happen to the standard environment if we unbanned Cauldron Familiar, Fires of Invention, Growth Spiral, Oko Thief of Crowns, Once Upon a Time, Uro Titan of Nature's Wrath, and Wilderness Reclamation? What would the format look like? I think it would look like the sort of format that would be really fun to play in an event. Yes. <laughs> Do you like my segue? So <laughs> we mentioned so on the loaded. on the last cast oh, that dear. you know uh, some some uh, content creators do this sort of thing, and we're like, hey, we can do that. So I, I've, I've spun it up on Chalonch, and I've got a tentative date of the second weekend in November, Saturday the eighth uh, Australian time, and um, yeah, we're going to have a, a, a free to enter event. And to come and jam some of these cards and see how ridiculous we can actually get with uh, with a no ban list because this is what play design would have been playing with, right? So it's a uh, let's let's see <laughs> let's see how they somehow arrived at that. So uh, we'll put the uh, event up on our our Discord and advertise it in all the normal ways. We'll do our best to scrounge up some prizes for this free to enter event as well and uh we'll uh we'll have that uh advertised through all the normal channels so keep an eye out for that that should be a bit of fun uh, i can hear the cogs turning of everybody brewing <laughs> some sort of fires of invention omnath concoction with both growth spiral and <laughs> oh man <laughs> I look forward to commentating. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's my plan. I'm I'm not in for this nonsense. You all can have fun with your team of pile five color whatever nonsense Yurion. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to play Yurion just so I have enough you space can- in my deck to actually play all the cards I want to play. It. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. So I'll I'll put the link in the show notes. You don't even have to ask me, Chewy. Yeah, excellent. No, it just <laughs> goes without saying nowadays. Yep. So I guess the only thing and we've said it like not tonight, but other times, is the only reason we care about all this stuff is because how much we care about the game, right? We all just love it and we want wizards to do the best they can. And we appreciate it's like the impossible task, but that's why we're frustrated, right? Is like, if I didn't care, then whatever, right? But I'm sitting here like talking for an hour because I want it to be great because we know how good it is. And when it's good, it's literally the best thing ever. So I don't know. I hope they can find the balance, but they have so many, you know, knobs and levers to pull that good luck. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't envy them, right? It's easy nope. to sit here and say they're doing it wrong, yeah. but like when you say, how do you fix it? I was like, yeah, it's <laughs> easy, easy to criticize, but hard yeah, to yeah, actually absolutely. come up with a workable solution that fits within budgets and time constraints uh, and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I don't care about budgets. That's yeah, not yeah. my problem. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was actually thinking the logistics of hiring a thousand people. <laughs> For yeah, a month. I don't, I don't think you, you like could the, actually the, the, hire people. The, the, no. No. Anyway. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Cracker. It's like this. I don't know if this this episode come is going to end up coming across as us just whinging and complaining at Wizards. That's that's not 
that probably wasn't the intention of this. Not not at all. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all constructive feedback and, yeah, we're, we're just trying to help make the, the best game even better. So get there <laughs> one day. <laughs> or else we'll keep playing. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure we can figure out an a, a, you know, arrangement with a consultancy fee that, uh, you know, we can both agree on. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. All right. I think that's going to do us. We have gone long. This uh, short 20-minute episode that we intended is now well over an hour. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, just uh, just typical. But, uh, yeah, we we will leave it there. So, uh, as our usual wrap-up is, make sure you're getting into our Discord so you can get in for all of our events like this No Ban List event that we're running and all of our leagues and things that we do. you find the link for that in the show notes and on our Twitter and Facebook, things like that. If you want to help support the show, we do have a merch store. Again, you can find the links in all those places. Buy yourself some sweet hoodies and mouse pads and mugs and all that sort of stuff. Uh, every little bit just uh, yeah goes to help us do what we do and uh, yeah we just put that money straight back into the events that we run. So that would be greatly appreciated. Go and check out Josh and Pat, as Cracker said at the start of the episode. They do uh, provide us with prize support for the events that we run. Uh, as well as obviously what we chuck in, but uh, they're the ones that allow us to actually run events like our current October League that has a $500 uh, prize pool. So that's uh, that's pretty cool for a free event, but go and check them out. Jump on Facebook, search for Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, and you'll find them on there. And when you win some of those sweet daily auctions, let them know that the bean sent you so uh, they know that we're showing them some love. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, all those places. Just search for Magic Beans Cast and you'll find us there. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Peace Inc. Chewy, you are? At Chewy MTG. And Cracker? At Joel Hill underscore. Very good. So that's it for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Stay safe out there and we will see you next time. 